Welcome back to Sister Allie Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church related. And guess what, guys? We are finishing up with the book of Amos. We are at the seventh chapter. The book of Amos only goes to nine chapters. Now we are at the seventh chapter, and this is the chapter of the visions to begin the visions that God showed Amos uh, concerning his judgment. So let's go in and see what visions God showed Amos and what Amos had to say about those visions before God's ultimate uh, judgment took place. Okay, Amos chapter 7, the first vision is a vision of locusts. And we know that locusts are grasshoppers. Now, God was forming a swarm of locusts for the second crop of the harvest, which had just begun to grow. Now, understand that the first harvest of crop went to the king for taxes. Now, there are two uh, plantings, if you will. As a matter of fact, I have a brother who plant uh, vegetables throughout the uh, planting season and um, he's already had his first crop and, and did very well and he was just telling me on the other day that he need to start with his second planting. So there are two plantings um, that's talked about here in this vision um, and Amos chapter 7 concerning the locusts. So the first harvest had been picked and taken care of, harvested, and given to the king for taxes. That is how the king taxed the people. Now the second planting had just begun to grow. The people had already planted the seed and the uh, crop had just begun to grow. And God gave Amos a vision where he was forming a swarm of locusts uh, that will go and to deal with that second crop harvest. Now, after seeing in the vision, the locusts eat up all the crop. Amos repented unto God for the sins of the people. Amos said the people would not be able to stand through this punishment. Why? Because there would be no food left to feed the people. The first harvest was given to the king for taxes. And now this harvest, if this harvest is eaten up by the locusts, by the grasshoppers, then there would be nothing left to feed the people. And mind you, not everybody was sinners. Listen, everybody uh, was not sinning against the covenant of God. So guess what happened? God changed his mind. The Bible says he repented of what he was going to do. Therefore, he changed his mind and he decided not to send the locust. So listen, that tells us that we can change the mind of God. Yes, when God wants to send judgment towards us, if we get a word or if we ourselves have a vision or a, a revelation that God is upset with us or angry with us because of our sin, 
we can change God's mind. He already told us if we seek him, that we seek him and live. Seek him, turn away from our sins, and we will live. So this lets us know that God's mind can change. You know, he has compassion on his people. He loves his people. So we can change the mind of God, but we have to be doing the things that are right in order to change God's mind. Now, Amos had a vision of fire. Now, God, in the vision, God called for fire to come down like rain. We know that God is a God of fire because that's how he does a lot of his work. He does it through fire. Now, God called for fire to come down like rain. It burned up the deep water and was going to devour the land. Listen, Amos had a vision. Fire came down from heaven like rain. It sucked up the water, lapped up the water, and then it was on its way to devour the land. And Amos cried again unto God for mercy. The people had already been beat down to a small size since the very beginning of, of this journey of theirs, you know, since the very beginning of becoming Israelites, they had already been beat down to size. And this would come and basically wipe them out. And Amos cried to God, basically, Lord, don't send the fire. We can't handle it. And what happened? God changed his mind. There was no fire. And listen, this reminds me again of California, how it burns every year. Come on, somebody. Has nobody not noticed this? Could this really, could this be judgment from, from God for their sin? For that, that state, that county, that city, that whatever the case may be. Could it be judgment from God? It just brings it back to my memory because we're talking about fire here. It reminds me of California, all, always on fire. My Gotham Zion. Has anybody noticed that? Has anybody thought about it? Could this fire always burning or California always being on fire? Could it be judgment for God, from God for their sins? I don't know. Think about it. Just like Florida. Florida, we always have uh, um, hurricanes. But we haven't really had any bad ones recently. So maybe, maybe we're doing a little bit better. Maybe we've repented for some of our sins. Maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe the sinful ones have moved out of the state. Who knows? But, you know, that's just the funny. That's just the funny. But who knows? God doesn't uh, judge us as much as he used to in the state of Florida with hurricanes. So we are thankful for that. Or maybe his people are praying, you know. Anyway, here nor there, let's go on to the next vision. There was a vision of a plumb line. And, and if you don't know what a plumb line is, the plumb line is a modern day. Modern day, it's a level two. It's, it's how you um, level off things. Say, for instance, if you want to hang a picture on the wall, you will get a leveling tool to do that. So this is what a plumb line is 
you know, so you can get a, a idea what a plumb line was used for. Now, God in the vision, God stood by a straight wall with a plumb line in his hand. And this is a tool used by builders and painters to find the true vertical. So God was standing by a straight wall and he had a plumb line in his hand. God said he will use a plumb line among Israel to show how crooked they are. My God from Zion. He's going to use a plumb line and stand in the midst of his people to show just how crooked they are. Because a plumb line is to show a true vertical to show how straight a wall is or a, a thing is. And God is going to use a plumb line to show just how crooked his people are. My God from Zion, boy, the book of Amos. Listen, I've read the book of Amos, but not, um, or maybe I haven't read the book of Amos. I've read through the book of Amos, but honey, now that I have studied the book of Amos, wow, this prophecy of this prophet, it's no joke. The things that God told Amos, said to Amos, the things that he showed him, and the things that Amos said himself is no joke. It's awesome. It's an awesome book. It's an awesome book of the Bible. When we finish with this, I implore you to go back and read the book of Amos. Now, just as Daniel did in chapter 5, the, the king of Babylon... His father, no, just as in Daniel chapter 5, okay, let's get that straight, it's not Daniel, it's the, it's the king of Babylon, and it's in Daniel chapter 5, it reminds me of, uh, whose father had taken Judah into exile, was put in the balance, and was found wanting because of his deeds. So God was displeased with what the king of Babylon was doing with the um, the artifacts of Jerusalem, with the the um, the um, holy cups. They went and got the holy cups, the things of the house of God. In so many words, they went and took the things of the house of God. And he was having a party, and he wanted to show off to all of his friends. This is the king of Babylon. After they had took taken Judah into exile. And took all the things of the house of God, Jerusalem. And, you know, he wanted to show off to his friends. And he decided to take some of those sacred items from the, the, the house of God, from the temple of God. And he wanted to show off and drink wine out of the cups and things of that nature. And guess what happened? While they were in the midst of their partying, there was a hand that came out of nowhere. It's in your Bible. Go to Daniel chapter 5. A hand came into the midst of the people. And it began to write on the wall. Daniel chapter 5. And it was. Let's go there really quick. Because I did not want to get into reading this. But for 
the sake of those that can't go to Daniel chapter 5 while they're listening to this podcast, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 5 and I'm just going to go right to the part of the handwriting. But I want you to read from verse 1 of Daniel chapter 5. Read through the whole thing and you'll get the gist of what was actually going on. So, I am going to go to verse 20. Here, let's go to verse 23. We're going to start there. But has, okay, no, 22. And thou, son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thy heart, Though thou knowest all things that he knew what happened to his father when his father was lifted up in pride. Listen to this. When uh, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was lifted up in pride, God made him um, to humble the king. He became, I don't want to say became, but he acted as though he was a beast he ate in the fields and actually if i'm not mistaken all of that is in daniel chapter 5 let's go to verse 2 belshazzar while he tasted the wine he's talking about the wine that they wanted to you know drink out of the sacred items commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines might drink therein. So that part, but that is not the part that I wanted to talk to you about. But anyway, go to the book of Daniels. Go to the book of Daniel and read what happened to the king. Actually, I think it's in chapter how Nebuchadnezzar was let's see I don't want to get into this oh God but anywho (laughs) God had to humble him and how did he humble the king he made him like a beast of the field. He was his his fingernails and toenails, they grew out like claws. He had hair on his back. He was out in the pasture with the animals. The people fed basically he lost his mind. Just just put it like that. He lost his mind and they fed him like the animals. He was out there in the pastures with the animals. Why? Because he was full of pride and God had to humble him. So that was his father. Now this king, he knew what happened to his father, but he's still acting acting out, if you will. And so there was a hand that came in the midst of this party and it wrote on the wall. And the writing is this. Mine, mine, tickle up. Sharsin up Parshin <laughs> and Daniel began to tell the interpretation of what the words meant 
verse 26. This is the interpretation of the thing. <coughs> Meaning, excuse me. God had numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Let me tell you, you do not want to fall into the hands of an angry God. I've been saying this through this throughout this whole uh, series. Don't fall into the hands of an angry God. Mene means God has numbered thy kingdom. He's talking to the king of Babylon and finished it. Tiko means thou art weighed in the balance and are found wanting. God is weighing you in the balance and there's something is missing either goodness or miss is missing there's not enough goodness and there's too much sin you've been found wanted or you don't have enough of god living on the inside of you like the king of babylon whose father was taken had taken judah into exile was put in the balance and found wanted because of his deeds god is measuring up the people it is time for judgment god will not spare them any longer is what Amos is saying here. And let's go back to the book of Daniel. And this Paris or the up parson, Paris, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So this hand came out of nowhere while they were having a party because they wanted to drink out of the, the holy of vessels of God that they have taken from Jerusalem and he wanted to be a show off in so many words so when that hand came in and wrote on the wall and they brought David in to tell the king what it meant so basically God said okay you know uh, you know you've done enough yeah uh -huh. how, how do they say it today you just doing too much you doing too much so what I'm going to do is I'm going to weigh you in the balance. And guess what? You are found wanting. And what else? Your kingdom is going to be divided. And it's going to be given to the Medes and the Persians. Verse 29. Then commanded Belshazzar. And they clothed Daniel with scarlet. Because he said that he would do all these things for Daniel. If he told him what was meant by the handwriting on the wall even though daniel cared nothing about that daniel just wanted to bring forth thus said the lord we're going to drop down the verse 30 in that very night in that night was belshazzar the king of the chaldeans slain so that same night that king who wanted to show off was killed. And Darius the Median took the kingdom. Being about three score and two years old. So Darius was 32 years old. He came in. He killed Belshazzar the king of Babylon. And he took the people into captivity. So. That lets us know when God weighs us in the balance and we are found wanting or when you do something that is mispleasing unto God, God will come and judge you. And it does not have to take 30 years, just like it did here in the days of Amos with Israel. The Bible tells us here in Daniel 5 that this king did this, had this party, wanted to show out in that very night. Darius, a 32-year-old, came in and killed him and took his people. That same, a few hours later, 
he was dead. So I'm telling you, we do not want to fall into the hands of an angry God. God does what he will. He can, it could take 30 years or it could take a few hours to get his job done. So we don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. Now we can take a look at it this way. We can look at Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 24 through 30. How God let the wheat and the tares grow up. You know, the, the, the enemy came in at, and, you know, the people planted their garden. They went to bed, went to sleep, and the enemy came in and planted tares in their garden. And um, when the, when the uh, garden began to grow, the servants begin to tell their master, you know, there are tares in there. How did, how did those get there? Do you want us to go and, and get rid of them? And he said, no, let them grow together because you might pull up the actual wheat while you're trying to get the tares. So he said, let them grow together. But at the harvest, we're going to separate them. So this makes me think today in 2022, God is performing a separation. Yeah, he's judging. And in the midst of his judgment, he's performing a separation. He's, he's removing the tares from the wheat. He's removing that bad seed from the true believers. He's removing that pious uh, religious, religious meeting person from the true believers, the lovers of God, those that want to do and want to live righteous before God. He is separating the wheat from the tares. I believe that here in 2022. That is what God is doing in the midst of his judgment of the nations. Now, during Amos prophetic proclamation, we're moving on. We're moving on quickly. Now, while Amos was having or, or speaking unto the people, the word of God, the priest of the temple here in Bethel, Amaziah, listen to this, listen, listen carefully. The priest of the temple, Amaziah, he wrote a letter to the king and he lied about Amos. He lied about what Amos was saying. So this priest wrote a letter to the king and he lied about Amos concerning his prophecy. Now Amaziah insulted, he also insulted Amos by telling him to go back to Judah and earn your living there. In other words, earn your living as a prophet, not here in Israel, but go back to your hometown, Judah, because you're not welcome here. Now, this was a, a um, insult to Amos because Amos was not a true prophet. And, and Amaziah told him, don't come to Bethel prophesying anymore. This is a royal place. This is a place of luxury and you're just a poor peasant farmer. You know, you look like you just come out of the farm. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the priest told Amos. Don't come back to Bethel prophesying anymore. This is a royal place. You don't belong here. You're just a shepherd. You're just a 
farmer. You're nobody special. <laughs> and listen, a Amaziah about to get zapped. These are my words. Listen, we go back to touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Amaziah insulted the man of God and he is about to get zapped. These are my words. This is what I call it. Amaziah is about to get zapped by God. Listen to what the Bible tells us. And we've already talked about uh, Psalms 105 and 15, how the Bible tells us to touch not my anointing and do my prophets no harm. And we already already discussed how David would even touch Saul, that even though Saul was rejected by God, he was still God's anointing. Now, Amos said to Amaziah after Amaziah, you know, said all these things to him. Amos said, I never claimed that I was a prophet. That's what, Amos, that's what Amos said. I never claimed that I was a prophet. I'm not a son of a prophet. And I never been to a, the school of the prophets. Back in those days, they had prophet schools. Amos said, I never claimed to be a prophet. But listen, God put me in this calling of a prophet. God spoke to me while I was tending my sheep. And told me what I needed to do. And guess what? I obeyed God. That's all I did. God told me what to do and I obeyed him. And your words are not going to deter me. The things that you have to say, that's not going to deter me. Now I'm going to give you a disclaimer here. You must know beyond doubt that God has told you to walk and to speak as a prophet. Let alone anything else concerning the kingdom of God. Be sure of your calling is all I'm saying. All I want to tell you today. If you're called by God, be sure of your calling. That's all I'm saying. Be sure of your calling. Now, Amaziah is about to get zapped by God. Yes, the word of Amaziah. See, God began at that very moment. God gave Amos a word for Amaziah in that very moment. And I'm just going to summarize it. What did the word of God say to Amaziah? Well, it said your wife will be a prostitute. Your children will be killed. And you will die in a foreign land. In other words, you will go into captivity. And Israel will go into exile. Israel will be taken into captivity. So regardless of what you're saying, Amaziah, the priest of the temple. Regardless of what lies you said. Regardless of you telling me don't prophesy here anymore. Regardless of you telling me to go back to Judah where I belong. Because I don't belong here in this royal place. Well, guess what the word of God is saying to you? Because you have touched the anointing and the prophet of God. First of all, your wife will be a prostitute. Your children will be killed. And you will die in a land of captivity. And Israel, after all of that, after all of your personal uh, uh, prophecy, regardless of what you are saying to me, Israel will go into captivity they will be taken captive 
And that is the bottom line. Let me tell you, Amaziah got zapped by God because he touched the prophet of God. He came against the prophet of God. He insulted the prophet of God and God zapped him. Yes, he did. Now, let's go to Amos chapter 8. We're almost to the end. Listen, Amos had another vision. He had a vision of ripe fruit. Amos saw a basket of summer fruit, which represents a harvest or that a harvest is over because you pick the fruit and you put them in the basket. Therefore, the harvest is over. So Amos saw a basket of summer fruit. Which meaning the people are at the end. That means the harvest is over. The time is over. The end has come. And God will not overlook their sin anymore. And on that day of God's judgment. The palace songs will become funeral songs. There will be dead bodies everywhere. There will be silence. All their pride, all their arrogance will be gone. It will be silenced. Why? Because the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs 16 and 18 that pride goes before destruction before the destruction come a prideful people before that destruction comes that pride is going to flee why because the palace songs where they were playing the music and they were having themselves a good time but on the day of judgment when that day came all you could hear were funeral songs when god was done all said and done dead bodies everywhere all that joyful or all that music of pleasure turn into music of funerals, funeral songs. The palace songs will become funeral songs. Dead bodies will be everywhere. There will be silence. All of that. Go back to your place, Amos. Go back to where you belong. Go back to tending your sheep. Do not prophesy here. All of that will be silenced. Why? Because the judgment of God is upon them or will be upon them or will be upon us. Yeah. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. So all that's going to be out the window. We're all going to be crying. You got pride, honey. That pride is going to be gone. Why? Because judgment is upon you and your house. You ain't going to have time for pride. You're going to be too busy crying. Crying for your family. Crying for whatever the case may be. The Bible say funeral songs and dead bodies everywhere. You ain't, ain't going to have time to walk around in pride. And oh, I'm, I got power. And oh, I got influence. And I'm almighty. And <laughs> I'm well known. You ain't going to have time for that. All that's going to be gone. All that's going to be silence. Why? Because you're going to be too busy crying about your family members. Yes. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
The Bible begins to say, hearken. You who walk on the poor. You walk on the oppressed. You oppress the poor. You walk on the poor. You do it intentionally and you do it deceitfully. You cheat the people. They even sold the wheat. And I'm talking about the, the people of Israel. The Israelites even sold the wheat that they swept up from off the floor. The leftovers. They sold that to the poor people. Come on now. You won't give me the trash. You're going to sweep up the trash and you're going to sell it to me? You can just give that to me if I'm poor. But no, you're going to sweep it up off the floor and you're going to sell it to me. Now you understand why God is so angry at the people? Listen at this. God swore by his name, the character of his name, God swore that he will never forget the deeds of the Israelites, the people and the nation. He said, I will never forget your deeds. Now, normally, listen, come on now, let's think about this. Normally, the Bible tells us that God will throw our sins in the sea and never to remember them again. In so many words, he forgives us. When he forgives us, he never remembers that again. So he's going to throw it in the sea. And we can read that in Michael chapter 7 and verse 19. It says, he will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. But listen, here God is stating, I will Never forget their sin. He is so upset. He is so angry at the children of Israel at this time. Because of their deeds. Because of their sinful nature. Because of their wickedness. How they treated the poor. He said, I will never forget your deeds. I will never forget your sins. A God that forgives and forgets. A God that throws our sins into the depths of the sea according to the book of Micah. Here in the book of Amos, he's telling the Israelites, I swear on my name. I will never forget your deeds. I will never forget. Forget your sins. Wow. Just wow to that. That's all I can say is wow. A God that normally forgives and forgets is telling these people that I'll never forget what you've done. I will never forget it. You are so evil. You are so wicked. I'll never. You, you broke. The Mosaic Covenant so badly. You sinned. You broke so many commandments. That I just cannot forget what you have done. My people. The chosen ones. We have a special relationship. And you have sinned so bad. That I'll never forget it. What does the Bible tell? It said the whole earth will shake. Everyone will be alerted. Everyone will be alarmed. Because of God's judgment on his people. 
Many will mourn the deaths of their people. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar here in the world today? That many will, are mourning the death of their people? Do you not see that judgment is upon us? The Bible tells us darkness will be upon the earth morning. Yeah, morning. Lamentation. Weeping. And many funerals. Did we not just experience that? With COVID-19? When everybody was locked down in their homes. It felt like darkness was upon the earth. Darkness was upon the earth. There was mourning. Many people were dying. Lamentation, weeping. The family members left. Even some families, both parents died and left the kids. Come on now, many funerals. Don't we see that in the world today when school shootings and, and uh, uh, store shootings and things of that nature are going on in the world today? Darkness is upon the earth. Darkness, people that have that type of mindset, they, they're living in a dark mind. Darkness is upon the earth. Mourning, lamentation, and weeping, and many funerals. Listen. The Bible say, listen. I know I say listen, but the Bible this time is saying, listen. The days of famine are coming. And it says, not for bread or water. This famine is not for bread or water, but it's for hearing the word of the Lord. In other words, heaven will be closed. And we can see that in Isaiah 59, chapters 1, and uh, Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to run over there really quick. I know I, I wasn't planning on reading these scriptures, but this is too good. Not to read. Amos is saying to the people, listen, a day of famine is coming, but this famine is not going to be a bread of wa or water. It's going to be for the hearing of, of the word of God. You know, people, it's going to be a time that is going to be so bad to people are going to want to hear what the prophets are saying. Not telling the prophets, go away. Don't prophesy to me. You're a party pooper. You're a pessimist. Everything come out of your mouth is bad. But now it's telling us that people are going to want to hear what God is saying. Heaven is going to be like brass. God is not going to be speaking. God is not going to be talking to his people. He is not going to be talking. And everybody's going to be want, wanting to hear what thus said the Lord. Isaiah 59 one and two, the scripture reads, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Listen, verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid 
his face from you that he will not hear. In other words, God turns his back. He, he, don't, he does not even want to look at you. Your sin is so bad, or, or in this case, talking about the children of Israel, not you specifically, but talking about the children of Israel, the Israelites, their sin was so bad that God just turned his back. He did not even want to look at them. He turned his face the other way. Have you ever had that done? Have you ever experienced that with your parents? That your parents was just so upset with you or so disgusted with what you did or what you said. Till uh, they were so angry that they just could not even look at you. They just turned and walked away because they, you know, if they spank you, it just might turn into abuse or something of that nature. Have you ever experienced that? That they just turn and walk away. They're so disgusted or they're so disappointed. In what you have done. Or they're so disappointed. In what you have said. That they just walked away. Or have you done that with your own child? Have you done that? You are so disappointed. Of what they've done or said. That all you can do is just turn your head. And walk away. Well this is the same thing that God. Was doing to his people. Yes. There's going to be a famine for hearing the word of God. God turned his face. It is very unfortunate that now the people want to hear from God after his judgment has begun. But God will be silent as his word goes forth to accomplish that which he pleases. And it shall prosper in what he sent it to do. And you can find that again in Isaiah 55 and 11. Now they will search high and low for a word from God. But there will be none. No true prophet will have a word for them. It will be complete silence. Yes. I pray God that doesn't happen to us. I pray God it doesn't happen to us. Now we can see this happening today. Well, I guess I can. I put it in my notes. We can see this happening today as far as a famine of the word of God. The word is taking second seat. Oh, I'm saying it in a different aspect. The word of God is taking a second seat to other ungodly distractions. The church has become so modern that the whole true word of God is rarely being taught. So yes, I can see a famine of the word taking place today. But what I'm talking about is God closing up heaven and we can't, we can't get in. He, he's not talking to us. I want God to be talking to me. Because it's not a good feeling for you to be talking to God and God is not saying anything to you. You feel abandoned. You feel like he doesn't care. And those are things that, those are ways the enemy wants us to feel. But that is not the true nature of God. That is not what God is doing. God is, he has a plan. Because he could be doing many things in that aspect or in that time frame or, or why he's not speaking. Many things could be going on. But we want to hear from God. So, and we can see a famine of the word of God today in 2022 a famine 
of the word of God. Now, after all this, there will be those who will not return to God. Yep, those are the, there and they are here today. God has done everything to get their attention, but they refuse. They are rebellious. They refuse to turn to God. They will still put their faith, their trust in idols and idol gods, thus leading them to their destruction and ultimately to the lake of fire, which nobody wants to go there. Listen, nobody wants to go there. Now, Amos chapter 9, and we will be done with the book of Amos. This is the last vision and the word from God. Now, Amos saw God standing by the altar giving his angels their assignment. God said, strike the pillars of the temple at Bethel and Samaria for those who run to the temple for refuge. In other words, when God's judgment is taking place and, you know, the Assyrians come in to slaughter and take the people captive, there will be some, of course, that run to the temple for refuge, thinking that their idol God is going to save them. Well, God is in this vision that Amos is seeing. God is standing by the altar in heaven and he's telling the angels what to do. He's telling them that you go and you strike the pillars of those temples. In other words, uh, make the uh, pillars of the temple or the building itself fall down because though there are going to be those that want to run to the temple for refuge but listen no one will get away from God no one will survive listen what the Bible tells us it says if they dig down into hell this is in the book of Amos if they dig down into hell, I will pull them up. This is just how angry God is with these people, with his people, the Israelites. He said, if they dig down into hell, I will pull them up. If they climb up to heaven, I will bring them down. If they hide on the top of Mount Caramel, because Mount Caramel has caves. If they hide in the caves on the top of Mount Caramel, he said, I will hunt them down. This is God speaking. He said, if they go down into the sea, if they go up under the water, God said, I will send a serpent to bite them. He said, if captured by their enemies, if the enemies capture them, if they're running and they're captured by, say, Gaza or the Edomites or Moab or anybody of that nature. If they're captured by their enemies, what did God say? He said, I will command a sword to slay them. Listen, God is, a, we do not want to fall into the hands of an angry God. We have found out here in the book of Amos that God is angry. He is mad. He is upset. And he means business. 
So you can dig down to the pits of hell, but I'm going to pull you right back up because you're going to be judged. You can climb to heaven like they tried to do with the Tower of Babel. But guess what? I'm going to pull you down. You can hide in the caves on the mountaintop. I'm going to hunt you down. You can go down into the sea. I'm going to send a serpent down there to bite you. And your enemies can capture you. And I'm going to make them kill you with the sword. God is upset. God is mad. And all this is to the Israelites, to the people of God. He is saying, he's not saying this to the surrounding nations. Say, for instance, he's not saying this um, to Europe and Africa. He is saying this to America. And that gives you a better picture. He's saying this to America, his people. He's not saying it to all these surrounding nations. This is what is going on here in the book of Amos. He is telling his people, listen, you cannot hide from me. God is everywhere. We can read that in Psalms 139, 7 through 10. God is everywhere. You cannot run from God. God will keep watch over them. But listen, he's not watching them for good. You know what he's watching them for? To send them trouble. To send them harm. To send them evil. Oh, he's going to watch. He's going to watch you. Why? Because he want to send a troubling spirit to your house. He want to send a spirit of, 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 of anxiety to your house. Just like he did with Saul. He sent a troubling spirit to King Saul. And Saul was always troubled. Yeah, he's going to watch you. But it's not going to be a good watch. It's going to be a watch of what he want to do to you. He want to send evil your, in your direction. He wants to send harm in your direction. And when I say in your, I'm talking about the children of Israel. The Israelites. This is what Amos was telling the people. God is going to watch you. And it's not going to be a good watch. It's going to be for bad because he want to trouble you. He want to send evil to you. He wants to harm you because you broke the covenant with him. My God from Zion, that lets us know a covenant is a strong thing. God, um, <laughs> it's an offense, a strong offense to break a covenant with God. And my oh my, to see the things that God is telling these people. Everyone will be destroyed. Except there will be a remnant of people. Remember we talked about that? He said it's going to destroy everybody, but there was going to be a remnant left. And that remnant of people will be scattered among all the nations. Nevertheless, all the sinners got to die. All the sinners must die. But God always have the faithful few. He always have a people whose heart are towards him no matter what comes, no matter what goes. These people are faithful to God and there's always a remnant. And God said, yeah, everybody else is going to die. But these faithful few... I'm going to scatter them among all of the nations. And that's why when you hear today, you hear 
you know, uh, people of old are, are, are seasoned uh, preachers and pastors, or even those that are up and coming, they may know the word of God. Our teachers have taught that the Bible speaks of how Jesus will not return until all the people of Israel have returned home. The Israelites have to return home. That's another sign of the coming of Jesus Christ. The Israelites have to return home before Jesus comes. And here we can see how they ended up or how what began or what took place that scattered them among all the nations. The sins that they committed. That the Assyrians took them away. And he said that remnant will be scattered among all the nations. And before Jesus returned, the people have to return home. And if you, uh, let's see, if you listen to the news or, or listen to um, prophets and people that know the depths and the deep things of God, the word of God, if you listen to them, you'll hear them say that the children of Israel, the people of God, are returning home. And basically, most of them are home. They are back. So that's another sign that Jesus is soon to come. Yeah. So that's just a little bit of a uh, tidbit of history as well to let us know how or what took place to make the people of God be scattered among all nations is their sin, the sin of the people. Okay, now God will restore the people back to their original glory and rebuild the ruins as it was in the days long ago. Then Israel will possess the land as before and the people of God and the land will be blessed. So after all of that, God, there will be a restoration and God will restore his people and he will bless them. And what a word, what a word, what a word from God. Listen, let me tell you, I've been pondering this word for a while. It took me a minute to finish the book of Amos. Or to finish my notes, I should say. But the word has been in my spirit. I've been chewing on the word. I've been meditating on the word. And yeah, this is a word from God. Judgment is upon us. I just want to say, and let me say this again. Let me reiterate. I do not consider myself a prophet. I just go by what I have gleaned in the spirit. What the Lord has shown me. Listen, let me tell you. I've seen in the spirit uh, the army of God gathering their tools, their weapons of warfare. I just see in the spirit, just praying, and I can see the army gathering. And this, and this all happened in the month of well, the month of June and the month of July. See the army gathering their tools, getting ready for battle. I saw um, another uh, vision. I saw an angel blowing a trumpet as though you know how they uh blow the trumpet when it's time for battle i and i i can't say that is exactly what was happening in the vision but i did see the angel blowing a trumpet uh just recently the other day i was praying and i saw um 
I don't know if you've ever seen on movies or or you've ever saw in pictures or anything how the uh, army on horses, how they are in a line, a long line to go into battle against the enemy. And in my vision, I saw just the bottom half of the horses. I saw the legs and the legs were moving. In other words, the army was charging that line was charging toward the enemy and i heard in the spirit it is war time let me tell you judgment is upon us when i see all these things and hear all these things in the spirit and get the book of amos and see that the things that happened in the days of amos are happening in the world that we live in today judgment is upon us the wheat is being separated from the tares. Hear me. And we will begin to see uh, the movement of God. We will begin to see things happen in the nations. We will begin to see things happen uh, with the people of God. We're going to see a lot because why? Judgment is upon the nations or judgment is upon the earth. The judgment of God is upon the earth that is what i believe i believe it wholeheartedly you do not have to believe it but that is what i believe that judgment is upon us now god has shown me you know several things in the spirit that cause sides with this and you know i don't know about you but i don't want to be found weighed in the balance and found wanting i don't want to be found lacking or deficient I don't want to be found lacking in the fishing of God and just full of sin. I don't want to be like that. No, I don't want to be like that. And I pray to God that you do not be like that as well. Now, can we pray? Father God, we want to thank you for giving us the book of Amos to study, uh, to dig deep, to uh, reckon it to the times that we're living in today. Lord, Father God, we thank you for how you, um, the word is broken down to each sin and, and we all know the things not to do to bring uh, destruction to a nation. The very sins, you even talked about the very sins that will tear down a nation, that will destroy a nation. And Lord, we do not want to be a part of that. Lord, help us. Lord, show us the things that you would have us to do and the ways that you would have us to go. Help us to walk upright and righteous before you. Help us not to look to the left or to the right, but look unto you. Look unto the hills from which cometh our help. Our help comes from you who never slumbers nor sleeps. Help us to look unto you that you will show us in this time of judgment, in this last and evil day. Teach us, Lord. Teach us how to pray. Teach us the things that we must do in this time to survive when there's a famine coming upon the land. In the less than evil days, you tell us uh, what what are what's going to happen. Help us, Lord. Give us the wisdom, knowledge, and the understanding that we need to survive in this time dealing with the famine, dealing with famines of food and uh, famines of your word, dealing with pestilence, dealing with sickness. Lord God, dealing with all of these things that we see that's going on in the world today. Teach us, teach us your ways. Lord, Father God, you're teaching us or you're telling us in so many aspects 
in so many ways, Lord, I know for a surety that you're telling me, Lord, Father God, to gather the things where you can plant, that you can plant, that you can plant, that you will have food in these times of famines. And Lord, help us do the things that you're telling us to do. You've told prophets to tell us to gather food. You told prophets to tell us to gather dry beans, to gather all types of things, to get these things and to gather them into our homes and to store them so we will be able to survive giving us ideas and ways to survive lord we know that you are speaking and lord father god we want to be obedient to your word because we don't want to be found wanting in the balance when you come with the plumb line we do not want to be crooked we want to be straight we don't want you to show us our sins and help us right now oh god lord we repent of those sins all the sins lord god on the inside of us that is not pleasing to you show us our sins that we may get rid of those sins and that we may walk right righteous upright before you and we just once again want to thank you for the book of amos for mirroring us showing us ourselves that we will not fall into the same judgment that the children of israel and the surrounding nations fell in because of their sins and we want to give you praise and glory. We want to say that we love you and we thank you for this word in thy precious son, Jesus Christ. And we seal this prayer with the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. Well, we have ended the book of Amos. And why was that not a journey? Listen, Amos did not cut any corners. God was angry. And Amos went in there and he did a job just like God wanted him to do. Amos uh, prophesied or caught, he used sarcasm. And he prophesied according to the, the emotion of God. God was angry with his people. And Amos went in there and he said, thus said the Lord. He didn't cut any corners. He did exactly what God told him to do. And then he went back home and he lived out his life. This is the book of Amos. The book of Amos, which is only nine chapters. But let me tell you, we gleaned a lot of good information out of the book of Amos and let me tell you I want to thank you for listening to Sister Alec Casti. I pray that you gain something from the book of Amos I pray that you walk according to the will of God that you find out what God has you to do and have you not to do and we will go on this journey together listen all of us here at Sister Alley Cast T, we are learning together. We are learning to walk in righteousness together. There are no uh, big eyes and no little U's here at Sister Alley Cast T. We're doing this thing together. We're learning together and we're hopefully hoping to uh, please the Lord together as we go through the book of the Bible and as we learn on other things like forgiveness and depression and other things that deal with our soul that deals with the church here over here as is Atticus T we talk about all things church related and listen guys God has already given me another word he gave me the book of Timothy so 
we will be going into first and second Timothy to see what the word of God has to say to us out of the book of first and second Timothy. Be blessed. I love you. And I will talk to you soon.